0: Hey there! Welcome to the Rambling Gals Podcast. We are your hosts, Angela and Adriana, and here you'll find pretty much everything travel related. We took a trip a few years ago and made a fair amount of mistakes that cost us money and messed up our plans. And since then, we've worked on perfecting travel itineraries and made it a goal to get as many people as we could out into the world exploring. So here you'll find our best travel tips and tricks, interviews with other travelers and business owners, a little bit of storytelling and a lot of tomfoolery. Thanks for listening. Hey there and welcome to another Saturday Session episode. These again are episodes where we have guests on to chat about travel or entrepreneurship or anything related to those two things. Today I have on Melissa Bits from Traveling Bits. And Melissa is just about to embark on a long-term trip. She's leaving. Um, By the time this is uh, posted, it'll be two days or three days away. So it's coming up fast. So she's been preparing for that. And I'm really excited to have a conversation with her today. Uh, Melissa and I met at last year's TravelCon, which was a conference put on by Nomadic Matt. If you're in the travel space, travel blogger, you probably know Nomadic Matt. And it was pretty much just a place for people in that space to get together and learn from speakers and have, you know, breakout sessions and make connections with real life people that you follow online. So it was really cool to meet Melissa in real life. I've been following her for a while. And I'm going to let her jump in here and introduce herself and then give a little bit of background about uh, what Traveling Bits is all about. So go ahead, Melissa.
1: Thanks, Angela. So I'm Melissa Bits, spelled with a Z, hence Traveling Bits is my blog name. I've been blogging for about four years and in- now, but I actually started off with a different name. When I went through ACL surgery, I decided I would write about my recovery. So a year after that, I realized, okay, I need to write about something that I'm really into I could write about forever. So I chose traveling. And that's when Traveling Bits was born. Um, Ever since then, I've been working full time and traveling as much as possible usually by myself because I don't have a lot of other friends who travel. So I just got to go do it on my own um, and I've grown to love it. So in my blog, I write a lot about budget travel tips, solo traveler tips, how to maximize your vacation or holiday time when you have a full-time job. Um, and I also really enjoy writing personal excerpts from traveling and personal stories. I think it's really important to connect with your readers and, Um, because anyone can write a great blog post about the top 10 things to do in Paris. But if you don't insert some humor or your personality or something that people can relate to, I don't think that they're necessarily going to come back and read more. Um, And this is something I like to implement in my Instagram as well. So I love, love posting stories and sharing the not so glamorous sides of Um, traveling and goals and life, um, but also, of course, the triumphs, too. But I've met so many great people that way. um, So it's always been a priority for me. And now that I'm going on my six-month adventure, I'm so excited to write all about that. I won't be working while I'm traveling, so this will be my time to really um, work on the blog and connect with more people.
0: I think it's going to be really exciting. And I like how you pointed out, it's you can find an article, 10 things to do in Paris from a million people, but it totally does make a difference that it's a personal touch that you feel like you become friends with people. And I think that's the great thing about sharing the ups and the downs of travel while you're there is because it makes it so much more relatable. And it's not just like, here's the fancy place I'm at and (laughs) all the great things I'm doing. And You know, we try to do that also where it's, let's show this 18 bed dorm that we're staying in. That's (laughs) really not that great. And, you know, just kind of trying to share those other things also.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So we talked a little bit about how you're taking a six month trip. Um, So Melissa has been sharing this whole process of preparing for her trip of this scale on her Instagram. I know that this process can be intimidating for a lot of people. And there's so many things that you need to consider, you know, before you leave. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to have her on as a guest is to share some of those preparation tips with everyone listening. So obviously for a long term trip, you have to have some sort of motivation behind wanting to do that because, you know, just the logistics alone are enough to make people anxious about planning that entire thing. So I think you obviously have to want it pretty badly for you. Why is it this trip? Why now? And why have you always wanted to do and have you always wanted to do something Like take a long-term trip.
1: Honestly, I've always wanted to travel the world. Since I was a kid, I always said I wanted to be a famous author, which hasn't happened yet. I haven't even written a book. (laughs) But also that I would travel the world. And part of why those that was my dream, or those are my dreams, is because I thought that dreams meant they were kind of unattainable, which is a little bit sad, but I thought like it's impossible to become a famous author, but that's still would be my dream and no one can visit the world. It's too big and it's too expensive to do that. Um, I also grew up in a sort of a poor, I, you know, poor family, someone who uh, we didn't really travel at all. We couldn't go on vacations which was fine. I had a great childhood, but I didn't realize the amazingness of travel until my first international trip when I was about 27. I'm 32 now. So I finally learned how to travel while having a full-time job. Um, By the time I was in my late 20s, I was able to afford it And then once I got to my 30s, I changed career paths. I ended up making more money, but suddenly I had less vacation time because the company that I switched to kind of started me from square one. And as a lot of people in the US know, we barely get any vacation time. So at that point, I realized I I need to find a way to travel more. And it's great that I have more money that I can save, but when am I going to travel? Um, So last year, almost a year ago, I decided, you know what? This money that I'm saving, I'm going to put it towards a big trip. And I didn't tell anyone for a really, really long time because I thought that if I told people and then I didn't actually follow through, I would be a failure. (laughs) So um, I did a lot of pre-work and um, had to make a lot of decisions before I finally decided, yes, this is what I have to go after. I also have nothing to tie me down at this point. I don't own anything. Um, I don't have any kids. I'm single. So I figured now is like the best time. I may not have another opportunity. Um, And I've also talked to a lot of people who are older and they wish that they had traveled more when they were young. For instance, my grandfather and grandma were always going to travel after retirement. But then two years after retirement, she got lung cancer and passed away. So I think those lessons are really important for us to consider as younger people. And that's really what motivated me to go on this trip.
0: I think that's a great you know, thing to touch on is that so many people that I talk to, when I tell them, oh, I travel and I try to take one bigger trip a year, they seem so envious that it's something that I'm able to do or that I've gone after and they always say, oh, we wanted to go there 20 years ago and we've always wanted to go. And it's just something that so easily gets put off and put off and put off. There's always an excuse to make and there's always something that comes up. And so, you know, taking this time at when you say, you know, there's nothing to tie me down. It is a great, great time to go. And, you know, I mean, why there's really, why not? <laughs> there's no reason to not go. <laughs> right? And just, yeah. And so... The other thing I wanted to talk about was having the m- more money but less time. <laughs> and so that's always been crazy to me because people spend hours and hours, you know, stressing themselves out for all these jobs and to make more money and they never get to enjoy their money or go do the things that they wanted to do. And I think that's just a difference of priorities for people that want to travel.
1: I completely agree. I've actually always thought that when I looked at, you know, High profile jobs like being a doctor or a, or a lawyer, which is fantastic if that's what you want to do and you love. But I'm like, what are you, when are you going to use that money? Like once right. every <laughs> summer with your family? And then what? Like you have a big house? I mean, that, you know, that is important to some people, like you said. But for me, mm-hmm. I'm all about the experiences and having time to do what I truly love.
0: Yep. I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in between figuring out where you want to go, Uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, and then trying to figure out how to get around and all the other things that you said you've, you know, started doing some research for. You also have to figure out all the basic things like how are you going to use your phone abroad? What are you going to do for travel insurance? Or if something happens, what are you going to do with your mail and taking care of, you know, all the bills that might come up while you're away and, you know, a hundred other little things that could come up while you're gone for months at a time. So of all the preparation you've been doing, what has been the most challenging so far?
1: I would say that all of the logistics that I've had to plan out have honestly been very easy. I started early with the planning and I stayed pretty organized so that part was not that difficult. Um, I ended up researching a lot of blogs about people who had done long-term travel and shared how they did it. And then I also joined Facebook groups and asked a lot of questions. So Female Travel Bloggers is a great resource. Um, I'll just type in a question about a place or some kind of logistic question, and I'll have a ton of people come back and share their answers or their experiences, which is so helpful. And then another resource would be finding backpacking groups for a specific destination. So backpacking in Thailand or backpacking in uh, South America or wherever you, you plan to go, there's probably a group for it, and they can answer your questions. So you asked what the hardest part of this has been, and I would say making the the decision in the first place was really the hardest part. I honestly, this sounds very silly now, but I I almost did not go on the trip because I was afraid to lose my apartment, <laughs> like which is so silly. Like I love where I lived, and it's the happiest place I've ever been, and I was so afraid to lose that that I thought, oh maybe it's not it's not worth it. But then a friend of mine I was talking to said, "Really? Like look <laughs> at you you're you're looking at either staying in your apartment for, you know, a few more years or going on this crazy, amazing trip for six months around the world, like, (laughs) look at the big picture. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I'm an idiot. So um, that that really helped me get over that hump. But I was honestly just so fearful of changing my life. Um, I have generalized anxiety that I daily have to struggle with. So I don't like unknown answers. And this whole trip seemed really scary. So getting over those those humps of deciding, yes, I'm going to do this no matter what, that was the hardest part.
0: Absolutely. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier is letting, you know, having an excuse because there will always be an excuse. So I have done that before too, where it was like, I don't, you know, I have a really great price at this, you know, apartment that I'm at. And I don't know if I'll be able to find this when I come home. And you can, I mean, Humans can rationalize just about anything. So if we say, "Oh, I can't go on this trip because I won't be able to find a comparable place when I get home," or right. you know, a thousand other things, but that is the hardest part is just deciding and making up your mind that regardless of what happens, you're still going to go. Uh, so I definitely commend you for that, and especially, you know, if you have anxiety <laughs> about other things in daily life and you know, trying to deal <laughs> with everything in general is is tough. But yeah, I've definitely. Had that too, where I had an excuse for not going. I'm like, what am I even talking about? This is not a reason <laughs> to not do something. And you yeah. kind of have to have that good friend that kind of slaps you upside the head and, and <laughs> wonders what you're doing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, You've got to have that friend around. <laughs> <laughs> so you spoke in some detail on your Instagram stories about how you were initially feeling pressure that a trip, you know, six months trip was putting on you, whether it was to become a digital nomad or to make. This part of your career in some capacity. So, how did you deal with this? You know, how did you work through it, and how do you feel about it now?
1: Yeah, I've always felt a pressure to do whatever the successful thing, the most successful thing in a particular field was. So, whether that's at my job and reaching a certain uh, role in the company, or as a writer, you know, being published would be the ultimate. That that means that you're successful. And so when I was working on my blog and I really wanted to focus on it and have it take off, I was really feeling like I couldn't write what I wanted because all the successful people, they were writing just destination guides and posting really pretty pictures of themselves like they were models. And that was just something I'm not willing to do. And it's not something I necessarily enjoy always doing. So, I constantly felt like I probably won't be successful at this because I'm not in the same, I'm not doing the same thing that they are. But then, when I decided to go on this trip, I started to feel again like if I do this travel thing, I need to put all of my effort into the blog, into becoming a digital nomad and making money on the road. And if I come back six months later and I don't have money and I need to get my old job back, then that is going to be. failure. And I don't know if I can handle that. So I really had to stop thinking that way and stop comparing myself to what's successful and what I quote unquote had to do um, in order to be happy. So I started to do things like unfollow really big travel blogs on Instagram uh, because I was just comparing myself to them. And it doesn't necessarily res- represent what I want to do. So I just wanted to focus on the things that I enjoy the things that I wanted to work on with my Instagram and my blog, and also allow myself the freedom during this big trip to do what I want and not feel guilty, or pressured that I have to have a certain outcome. So whether or not I end up focusing on my blog as much as I wanted to, or if I, you know, start working, or if I end up getting a job that I can do digitally and stay longer, I just don't know what's going to happen, but I'm allowing myself that, that freedom to let whatever happens happen. So I feel much better about it. I've, I've taken the pressure off and I think that's going to make such a better trip.
0: I think so too. Absolutely. I have felt that same like gone through and unfollowed a bunch of people on Instagram because in a way it's supposed to be a creative platform and somehow following people that are doing the same stuff kind of like cripples your own creativity that you either feel like you have to do that to become successful. Like you were talking about or like you have to step up your game every single day <laughs> and be able right. to compete with those people. And it's, I mean, we're all not trying to accomplish the same thing. And so that's where it goes wrong is that you're looking at so-and-so with a million followers that's doing this, this, and this, and it becomes crippling because you think on the scale that you're doing things, it's not even comparable. And so you just don't even want to put in the work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I can completely relate to that. And um yeah, I'm glad you're feeling less pressure about it. And it it doesn't have to be, uh, what do I want to say here? I feel like the more you try and plan out, like this is going to be the trip that I make it, or this is going to be the trip that I get a digital job instead of just going along with it and enjoying what it is and doing whatever you feel like doing. If you feel like writing, if you feel like making a video, if you feel like doing stories in a more authentic way is always going to be better than saying, I have to, you know, put out one blog post a week while I'm here just so that I'm, you know, present and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I think that's a good distinction to make in the trip as well. Is to not put too much pressure on yourself to be this or that. So let's talk a little bit about the trip itself. You're taking this six months to explore South America, Eastern Europe, and then Southeast Asia. Obviously, you could spend an entire lifetime exploring this region. region. So why did you choose these areas? And do you have an idea of where you'll be going within those regions?
1: Yeah. So the main reason that I chose those areas is because they are budget locations. I was really excited about South America because I went to Peru a couple of years ago and I loved it so much. I thought that I would probably love the rest of the continent. Um, and then Eastern Europe, I decided because I do have some friends in Europe, one in Germany, And one in Spain, those aren't Eastern Europe, but (laughs) Eastern Europe is cheaper. So I was planning to see them, but then also go to some less tourist heavy places like Bulgaria or Latvia, Estonia, or Romania, those places. I don't know a lot about them. um, So I'd really enjoy exploring those places. And then Southeast Asia is obviously probably the cheapest place in the world that you can go to travel. And... To be honest, for whatever reason, I've never had a big interest in visiting Asia, but I think this will be a great opportunity for me to learn about it and I'm sure I will actually love it. I just haven't looked into it enough. So I'm really excited just to try these different places.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I you know, didn't really feel very excited to visit Southeast Asia. We just went to Thailand in November and it was never really on my radar, but I was like, "Yeah, it's cheap and it's kind of like a younger traveler's place, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, well, we might as well do it while we're younger. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, you know, I ended up liking it. It's not really my favorite place, but I think it's important to go to places that you don't necessarily love because it's still interesting and you can still interact with the culture, even if it's not like your top 10 places. So That's important. Uh, We are going to Romania and Bulgaria later in the year. So maybe we'll have to chat and see if we'll be there at the same time because that'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. (laughs)
1: That would be awesome.
0: So are you planning everything out for this trip or are you going to figure some things out when you get there?
1: I definitely have a general outline. So I know I'm going to South America and then Europe and then to Southeast Asia, but I really want to do the major, you know, like deciding all the cities along the way Um, I have a friend who did a big backpacking trip um, probably seven or eight years ago, and we've talked a lot about his experience. And he said that him and his buddy spent about $1,000 in rebooking fees for their flights because they just kept deciding that they loved the place they were at and they wanted to stay longer. So he always would tell me, "Don't, don't buy your flights ahead of time. Because you never know when you'll fall in love with a place or if you want to leave a place early. Or maybe you'll meet some friends. And they're like, hey, we're going to this country or to this city. Do you want to join? And you're like, well, I can't because I have a flight. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take that advice and um, give myself the flexibility. Um, But I did have to plan around some friends' vacations in Europe because I really want to see them. Um, and then I'm also making time to go back to the U S for travel con. Woo. Um, in June, <laughs> because oh, it was great. so much fun last year that I was like, okay, I have to get this booked. It's going to happen. Um, but other than that, I, I don't have anything booked.
0: That is a great way to do it. I like that you have done the major things. Like, obviously you are going to do your international flights, but I, If you've traveled, you know, obviously both of us have traveled to some extent, but once you're in a country, it's not really that expensive to book flights places. So it's so (laughs) nice to have the flexibility in in your itinerary where it's where you were talking about you meet people and you just want to hang out with them for the next week, or you found a little town that you just want to, you know, be in a fishing village in Italy for a while and just kind of do whatever you want to do and go where the wind blows you. I think that it, has to be a certain personality type to be able to do that. Because I definitely know people that plan out each and every step of their trip. So they know exactly where they're having lunch, exactly where they're having dinner, they have tours booked. And there's no sort of flexibility in that for if you meet fun people, or if you, you know, want to stay in a certain town for another week. And we've met tons of people that have done that. (laughs) And we've met people in hostels that end up working at the hostel because they love it so much where they intended to stay for, you know, three nights and then they loved it so much that they got a job there.
1: Oh, wow. And
0: yeah, (laughs) so it's great to have that flexibility. And I'm actually, I'm really excited to follow along and see where you go and, you know, keep up with you. And hopefully I'll see you at TravelCon. I haven't decided if I'm going to go to it or not yet, but um, if we do, we'll have to check that out too. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the logistics and the preparations you're doing before you take off or, you know, that you've already done. I know you've spent a lot of time researching and finding, you know, the right solutions to whatever your, you know, particular circumstances are. And you've come across some really helpful tips that you've, you've shared in some detail, you know, in your Instagram stories. So let's get into all of those. So phone use, vaccinations, um, any tips that you would mind sharing that you figured out um, for this trip?
1: Yes, I have so many. So if you are not driving, get your pen and pencil or your pen and paper (laughs) and take notes. My first piece of advice is to get really organized. So I always use Microsoft OneNote, which is like an electronic uh, notebook. Um, So I have a section for my timeline, my packing list, my to-do list, copies of flights and tickets. Um, Then I created subsections for each country Uh, with visa requirements, the places I'm thinking about seeing, and then links to the best modes of transportation and so much more. But it's all organized, and that way I've been able to fill it little by little rather than do it um, all at once or feel like I'm, you know, where am I going on my first leg? Like, what hustle am I going to? It's right there in my Ecuador section, which, by the way, my first stop is Ecuador. I don't think Mm -hmm. I mentioned that before. (laughs) The next thing would be storage. So I decided that I was going to keep a lot of my things, but none of the furniture because I wasn't married to any of it. A lot of it was like cheap Ikea stuff. So I gave a lot of that away. And then I let a lot of my friends borrow some larger items like my TV, my large kitchen appliances. And then I was able to find a five by six storage unit for about 60 bucks. And the first two months are at a discount. A tip for if you're going to go that route doing the storage facility is always ask if you can, if you pay months in advance, because you know, you'll be gone for so long, ask if there's a discount. And a lot of times there is, that's what I got. So the next thing would be visas. So I haven't finished this process yet, but I went ahead and took my own a photo of myself and I'm going to use a website, makephotopassport.com so that I can print out visa size photos and I'd be able to go to certain countries and do the visa on arrival. There's also a website called ivisa.com, and they'll help you obtain your e-visa in advance. It makes it a little bit easier for you. It's also a really good resource, ivisa.com, to find out which countries would even require a visa. But I always say to double-check with the embassy website of the country you're going to because things change and you want to make sure that you don't show up to the airport and they're not going to let you in because you don't have a visa. Uh, another thing I did was um, figure out what my phone provider would be. I really wanted to keep my phone number. I know that the the true budgeter uh, would get a different SIM card for each country and pay for a cheap plan there for their data and calls. But... I was determined to keep my phone number. <laughs> so <laughs> I switched to Google Fi, which is relatively new. And they and I have an iPhone. And they just started allowing iPhone users this past November to use Google Fi. And basically, I pay $15 a month for unlimited texts and calls. And then data is $10 per gigabyte that you use. So I've been saving tons of money here by switching over. And then once you go abroad, the fees don't change. So you're still like able to use your texts and your data at the same price. The only thing is calls will cost 20 cents per minute, but who makes phone calls? So, <laughs> so that that is the best. Uh, that's going to work out best for me. And then another thing I did was open a trial Schwab high yield investor checking account for the U.S., so the benefit of this checking account is you're able to withdraw money from any ATM in the entire world, and Charles Schwab will reimburse you for any of the ATM fees. So basically, you're able to save tons of money just through that. Um, something that you should know if you do apply is that it can take a few weeks. It took two weeks for me to get my ATM card, and they're also going to do a hard credit check. So. Make sure you have good credit before you apply for this, but otherwise I highly recommend it. Apparently it's what all the US travelers have been doing for years and I just learned about it. So <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to I'm excited to use it. Another thing I did was have to get vaccinations. So I went to my doctor for the Hep A and a TB booster, and then because typhoid vaccinations aren't covered, um, I went to goodrx.com and I found a coupon to get it for cheap. And instead of getting the shot, I went for the oral vaccine, which is called Vivotif. And the oral vaccine is good for 5 years, whereas the shot is good for 3 years. So, I would recommend doing the the oral instead, unless you just, you know, want to get your shot done for some reason. But I hate needles, so <laughs> sign me up. Good solution. Yes. <laughs> And then the most exciting thing that I found was that you can get yellow fever vaccinations for free in Ecuador, in Peru. I've confirmed this with several people. (laughs) And um, I recently had a friend who was going to Ghana this year in February, and she went and got it at a travel clinic in the Bay Area in California, and it cost her about $250. So, you know, if you're planning to go to a country that requires yellow fever, I recommend checking to see if that first country you're entering, um, if it doesn't already require it, if you can get it for free there. Uh, that leads me to medications, somewhat relevant. So, I take two different medications, and I wasn't sure how I would continue taking those. I talked to my doctor, and she recommended that I find another coupon on goodrx.com to get a six month supply of what I needed. Um, For a pretty darn cheap amount. So goodrx.com, I highly recommend it. Um, I've heard from other travelers that you can get refills on the road in a lot of different countries just by showing them your prescription bottle. But, you know, don't rely on that because not. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but hey, I need the medication. Um, But this isn't true for all countries or cities. So definitely look into that first before you decide you're not going to get a a supply in advance from your doctor. For mail, I'm going to go ahead and use my parents. I'm very fortunate that, I mean, (laughs) I just switched my address to theirs. Yeah, yeah. So they'll hold on to my mail. (laughs) Um, But I also, I looked into other alternatives. And you can also do virtual mail, apparently, they'll scan your mail for you. And then you'll get it electronically, which blows my mind. I think that is the coolest idea. Um, And then if you order any packages or anything that you need, you can also have that forwarded to, you know, whatever hostel you're going to be at in five days. So there's a there's a bunch of options out there, you could just Google it. But I thought that was a cool option if needed. And then finally, the the most important thing I had to research was my budget. So how am I how much do I need to save and you know where where can I go to keep that daily budget? So I ended up reading a ton of blogs where people broke down how much they spent each day in certain countries and I just you know considered where I wanted to go and what kind of money saving strategies I was going to use. And I was able to calculate how much I I wanted to, to save up. So I plan to be super duper frugal. I'm doing a lot of host, cheap hostels. And I want to try out house sitting as well, which I've never done before. But the concept is that as a, a traveler or a house sitter, you pay for a monthly, or sorry, not monthly, but a yearly subscription to a, a website where you can connect with home. Ah, uh, people who want their homes watched while they're gone, and essentially you just get to stay somewhere for free. Uh, you have to go through a Skype interview and that sort of a thing. But um, I'm going to try that out, especially in Europe where it's more expensive. So I'm going to see, you know, how many how many ways I can cut my spending.
0: Mm-hmm. I've heard great things about um, com. I know a couple of people that have done it and they, you know, think it's a great way to travel and it's like such a, that's a great way to do it. <laughs> Just yeah. stay in other people's houses and hang out with their dogs or the cats or whatever.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's the way to go. <laughs> so you have some really great tips in there. Uh, for those of you listening, I'm going to have this all written out. So you don't need to write it down while you're driving or do anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I will have all the websites and everything mentioned in- on our website for this episode in the show notes. So you can find all of Melissa's tips in there. Um, and there's some great ones in there. Google Fi, I'm going to have to look into that sounds like a great uh, way to do it um, instead of getting a different SIM card for every country. And um Yeah. I'm going to have to do some of those myself. (laughs) So let's talk about packing. It's something that every person goes through. You pack, you repack, you put everything on the bed and then cut it in half. There's a million ways to try and cut down on stuff and try to bring the most important things, especially when you're traveling for such a long amount of time, you are the person that has to lug it around all day. So you don't want it to be, you know, hundred pounds. So, you know, what are you planning to pack and what are some of the most important items that you, you are bringing?
1: I am just going to bring a backpack because I don't want to have to check any bags. So what I've been using for probably three years now is my Osprey Farpoint 55 It has a detachable day pack on the back. So you can essentially put the main backpack into your carry-on above you. And then um, the the day pack can go under your seat. And that way you don't have to check any bags in. But some of the things that other travelers have told me are a must for long-term travel. One of them was duct tape, which was really surprising. But they said (laughs) it's a fix for everything. So I was able to find these tiny little rolls on amazon.com and you know I guess I'll I told her I'd let her know the first time I find myself in a situation where I need duct tape.
0: Right. You'll be so thankful you have it. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> um and since since I'm going to South America and Southeast Asia where you can't just drink the water, um I drink so much water. So I was like I do not want to have to buy tons of bottles of water every single day just to stay hydrated. So I bought a SteriPen Ultra and it's like a water purifier that uses UV light. So you just put it inside your water and you hold a button down and the UV light zaps most of the, you know, garbage that could make you sick <laughs> so I'm really excited wow. to use that yes yeah
0: what a time to be alive we've got mail you can scan we've Got <laughs> light that purifies water <laughs> it's right? a great time to be traveling
1: I know yeah. I don't think I could have done it without all these great things no that's
0: amazing
1: <laughs> um another thing I was worried about was doing laundry I hate doing laundry and I don't want to have to go to a laundromat every time I need to wash my, you know, my underwear, which is like the right. stuff you have to wash. You have to wash. You can't just keep wearing them like you would with your pants. So mm-hmm. I bought a, I bought a scrub, a wash bag and it's like this portable clothes washer. It's teeny tiny. And it's like this silicone bag and you just put your water and your soap inside and it has ribs in the middle, like inside. And so you just like rub your clothes in there and you wash them. So I thought that was kind of awesome. I haven't used it yet. And that's a great one too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping I don't regret all this stuff because it just takes up (laughs) too much space, but I think it'll be worth it. That sounds
0: like a good one too.
1: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we've washed
0: so. it just in the sink and like you scrub it together with your hands, right. and then you just try and hang it up wherever. Yep, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, what else do you bring in?
1: So I also have to bring my electronics. So I have a mirrorless camera, which is great because it's lighter than a DSLR, and then I have a MacBook because you know I plan to do plan to do a lot of writing and hopefully some photo editing. And then an external hard drive, which everyone recommends because you end up running out of space with your, you know, all your photos that you take. And then finally, I bought a little tiny handheld luggage scale so that I could see if my bag is going to pass. You know, some of the, the the smaller airlines in like Europe have a, a weight limit. So I figure I could test my luggage and then if i need to get rid of some stuff then you know just let some things go just so i don't have to pay the extra fee
0: we've gotten rid of so much stuff while we're traveling too and then we just (laughs) end up picking up new stuff right and one of my favorite things was in a hostel they had another separate room it was like a little thrift store room of just all the stuff that people had left and you could just go shopping in there for free and leave your own stuff and get new stuff it was a great way to do it that's so (laughs) cool i love it so yeah it's wonderful We talked about you're leaving in just a few days when the time this airs. So you've prepared, you've researched, you've got your packing down, you know, you probably have almost or all of your affairs in order for while you're away. Are you excited for anything in particular or nervous? Uh, How are you feeling right now?
1: Oh my gosh, I'm feeling both of those things. (laughs) I'm so excited, so excited, but I'm also getting more and more nervous as the days get closer. I could probably leave tomorrow if I needed to because really all I need to do is pack my backpack. Okay. Um, yeah, it's 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 wild. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the things I'm looking most forward to during the trip is learning Spanish in South America. I really want to take a, a class in Bolivia. I heard it's really cheap there and a good place to practice Spanish. And I have this weird... I don't know if other people feel this way, but I have this American guilt because I don't know other languages. So Mm -hmm. I really hate going to another country and just assuming that, you know, they're going to speak English and um, I want to make an effort to speak to them in their native language since I'm in their, their area. So it's really important to me to learn something. And I always feel so embarrassed when I don't know the language, which I know is a little bit silly because you can't learn every single language Mm -hmm. in the world. (laughs) But still, I figure Spanish is a pretty big one. I'm going to give that a shot.
0: (laughs) I think it makes a lot of difference, even if it's just the basics, you know, how to ask, you know, for something or where something is or say please and thank you. Yes. That makes a difference. And I totally feel that sort of guilt also and especially when you go to a country, like for example, we were in Sweden and Norway where they speak English perfectly, they speak Swedish or they speak Norwegian perfectly. And so when you walk up to the counter, they'll just speak English to you because they know it so well. And so you don't really have to put in any effort, we found. And that kind of made me feel guilty also. Oh. <laughs> Even though they know it fluently. Right. It was still like, I, I want to feel like, I'm not just relying on you to to be able to speak English, like you talked about, yeah, because exactly. it, yeah, it should, yeah, I feel that too, the same way.
1: It's just <laughs> good all right. to know, I'm, yeah. glad I'm not alone. Okay, no, not at
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> so what yeah. else are you going to be uh are you going to be working on some stuff or what else are you nervous for yeah
1: so I'm I'm, I'm excited to to pre- to work on writing and working on my blog and just sharing like the journey and helping other people see if this is something that they think they would want to do or not um I, I have this fear that I'll find out that I don't enjoy long-term travel which doesn't really matter right it doesn't matter like if you what type of travel you like but For some reason, I feel like I should love it. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be for me in the end, but I'm really excited to try. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I really want to be able to continue sharing like the honest depictions of what long-term travel is like. I've heard from so many people that it gets really lonely at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that'll happen with me too because I'm, you know, I'm an introvert. And I I do a lot of solo travel, but I love being connected to my really close friends and family. So I think that might be kind of hard. Um, but I'm still going to still going to give it a try. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens.
0: Either way, you'll figure out if you like it or don't like it and then right. you'll know for the future. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Right. You'll know 100%. <laughs> yeah. And uh
0: even on, you know, shorter trips or short long trips of a month or two months, I have felt that too, where it's like, oh, I just want to be at home in my bed or I miss this certain restaurant or just those small things about being at home and seeing your family and or whatever it is that's part of your normal routine definitely starts to wear on you. Do you have any like strategies for if you start feeling that way, just out of curiosity?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to continue to reach out to my family and friends back home. Um, I've heard from a lot of people that they said that the, when they traveled for a really long time, they tended to lose friends. Oh. But I know which is like oh scary. But yeah. <laughs> my thought is, I'm the the people that I'm friends with are people I've been friends with since I was basically a kid. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. And I know that they'll be wanting to stay connected to me. So I don't think that'll that'll be an issue. Um, so I think that's going to be my best strategy is just to reach out to to people, even if it's just like a quick text or like ask them to share a picture of them with their dog or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I got so far, but I'm sure I'll figure more out when I'm actually on the road.
0: Yeah. That makes them like all the difference in the world is just like FaceTiming people or when you haven't, you know, you're not out and about, you can call people and hang out for a little bit. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness for technology. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Knowing we're not writing letters back and forth. <laughs> you can oh, just, my gosh. Just see yeah. somebody's face. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to let people know where they can find you so they can follow along? Um, because it'll be just in time for you to be leaving so they can get it from start to finish if they follow you online.
1: Absolutely. So you can find me on my blog at travelingbits.com. Bits is spelled with a Z at the end. And also Instagram at Traveling Bits. Perfect.
0: And again, that will all be linked uh, in the show notes for this episode. So I just want to thank you so much for being here today. I know you have last minute things to do and you got to pack your backpack and repack (laughs) and figure out all your last minute things that you need to tie up. So I appreciate you taking some time out of your last few days in the US to be a guest on our podcast Don't forget, you can find this episode with Melissa from Traveling Bits in its entirety on our website. So all those great websites and resources she talked about, we'll have the link to our website and her Instagram on there as well, as well as her face on there. And um, we will be back with our regular bi-weekly episodes at the end of this month. Adriana is traveling in Europe, so she'll be back um, in a week or so. And then we'll pick up where we left off. And until then, you can join us on our Instagram for Whiskey Wednesdays. So you can send over any travel questions you have and I will drink whiskey and answer them for you. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one.
1: Thanks, Angela. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: And if you have a few moments to leave us a review or to subscribe to the Rambling Gals podcast, it helps us out a ton. Um, I'm currently trying to get some sponsors for our show and um, it always helps us out a lot if we have some really great five-star reviews. So if you guys have a moment and you enjoy the content and you wanna leave us a five-star review, please do so, it helps us so much. And I am always grateful to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening to the Rambling Gals podcast. You can always head to our website theramblinggals.com for more travel resources and our archive of podcast episodes. See you on the next one.